Hi there, welcome to the Kessler Law Firm podcast. I'm Michael Kessler, local freedom fighter, and I'm joined today by my good friend, Cliff Barnes. Cliff, as you know from prior podcasts, is another local trial lawyer and a one-time local county court judge. Cliff, what should we talk about today? Uh, I'm in a good mood. Let's, uh, let's talk about how much fun sometimes it is to be a county judge. Well, tell us about that. Well, I tell you what, it was uh, best, the best job any legal person, I think, could have. Uh, I've heard some people say it's a great part-time job. Ah, it's a wonderful job. I don't think county judges anywhere in Florida have ever burned out. Uh, Circuit (laughs) judges, yes. County, no. County judges would like to be there until the day they die. It's just the most fun you can have. You can help people. Uh, You're not dealing, as you know, with county court. You're not dealing with robbers, rapists, child molesters, killers. You're dealing with everyday people, most of whom have jobs, careers, family, and they've messed up in some minor way, usually. I was telling a young lawyer just the other day, you know, you hardly ever see real evil in county court. No. Um, Every once in a while, you have a career criminal that was trying to commit a felony and failed and ends up just charged with a misdemeanor in county court. But those are pretty rare. Correct. The worst Most I, people in so, county court are just regular folks. Yeah. The worst I ever saw was uh, uh, men who couldn't quit beating women and DUI offenders who would offend over and over again. So those were the two really serious areas that county court, I believe, sees. But and, and Florida law has really corrected for that. Now a person with a prior battery conviction can be charged with a felony just on the second battery. That's and true. and with DUIs, it's on the third if they're close enough in time, or on the fourth, no matter how long ago they were. Which makes the county judges' lives even easier. It, it does. Uh, Judge um, Steele in, in Martin County is fond of saying that DUI cases are the first degree murders of county court. Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. But I often would tell the audience sometimes in cases, I can't believe I get paid to do this. It's, uh, it's like being host to Saturday Night Live. Every single docket call, every single day, it seems that you have an experience that you just shake your head and you just can't believe someone says something or does something. And I want to tell you the funniest thing. I think I still have a video because I asked the court administration to make a video of this. Uh, I had a full docket call in the big courtroom. Back then it was called A. Uh, First floor, that's where uh, we held the big docket calls. Um, So there were probably two or 300 people in there, I would think, with maybe you know, 150 maybe being the defendants and the rest, family and friends, lawyers, court clerks, bailiffs, you name it. And usually my bailiffs like to get the cases with children involved out of the courtroom. If they're children in the courtroom, they're not going to behave for long. I know mine wouldn't. So the bailiff came to me and said, uh, can we call this, this case? And I said, sure. I had no idea who it was. And, uh, it was a public defender case, and the uh, public defender came up, and her client was in shackles because he had been arrested for 
Uh, he, he had a string of misdemeanor violations. And finally, uh, I just did a warrant with no bond because look, you're, I release you, you're, you're presumed to be innocent. So you get released, then you go out and you get charged with another crime. And then you get released on that. I probably put conditions on him, like no drinking, no drugging, um, a curfew. Okay, and you can't abide by that, and you go out and get another case. Well, these were minor violations, like marijuana or driving on a suspension. There wasn't anybody involved that was hurt. His lawyer starts telling me why I should release him for the third or fourth time. I said, ma'am, there is nothing you can tell me, you or your client, that is going to convince me to release your client on any amount of bond because he's got three pending cases or maybe four in my court. And I can't count on him to follow any of the rules. So it's not about the bond money. Right. It's just that he's a one man crime wave. I think I mentioned, I said, sir, you're a one man crime wave. I can't, you know, just lost my patience with him completely. He was trying to explain why he should get another break. And the lawyer was trying to explain. I said, you must not have heard me from the start. I don't mind hearing you out if you just want to keep talking. But no, your actions have spoken louder than anything you can tell me here today. And you're going to wait in jail until we either get the cases resolved with pleas or we have trials. And all of a sudden, I heard this uh, voice from way back. I think it was a back row of the courtroom. And I hear this woman, Judge Barnes, Judge Barnes, I need to I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. So, you know, the crowd parted and this woman came up. And she, had, <laughs> she, had, <laughs> she had three children with her, one on uh, holding in her arms with one arm. And then she had one by the hand dragging him along. He was probably five or six. And then she had another smaller one. Um, You know, she's trying to push him along. So she and the three children come up and um, she says, Judge Barnes, tears are streaming down her face. I go, ma'am, I understand you want him home, but I can't let him out of jail. He just keeps committing crime after crime after crime. She said, you don't understand. I said, no, you don't understand. She said, Judge Barnes, she looked right at me, quit crying. She said, these are only three of our children. We have two more at home. She said, and I've never watched the children. He watches them. She says, I work every day and he stays home with the children. She looks right at me and she goes, This was on a Friday. She goes, I don't think we're all going to make it through the weekend if he's not here. Like (laughs) like one of these children, something's going to happen to him. And she was serious. She was just distraught, just just frantic. And I said, ma'am, I know it's tough. I said, but, you know, when people commit crimes, they bring sadness and inconvenience on their families. Hard times. Right about the time I was saying that, I saw the little boy let go of her hand. He was probably five. And I saw, just like in a cartoon in slow motion, I could see the bubble above his head because I saw what he was looking at and I knew exactly what was going to happen, but it was just, I couldn't stop it. The little boy had seen the the gate between the, the audience and the court personnel, where they come up, they open the gate, they come up, and they're with you then. 
the judge. And he saw that thing swinging and he let go of mama's hand and he ran and caught perfectly the gate on the end swing and rode it all the way up against the wall. And they went wham. And then it actually fell apart. The top of the gate like disconnected. This five-year-old broke your courtroom? Yes. <laughs> and I'm looking at this and they, the people that were facing me couldn't even see what happened, but the rest of the courtroom did. And I said, okay, we're going to release, we're going to release your husband. I think it was a marijuana case. And I said, um, I'm going to ROR him, which means you release him just like the fresh in your court with no prior offenses. But I realized that woman was telling the truth. That woman, she worked every day. And she had five children of five different ages to take care of. It was like a, a, a message from above. Uh, you think you're so smart. You think you have all these rules, but there's always an exception. So I said, ROR this guy. You probably and, saved a life. And my, maybe five. <laughs> and my pretrial program people, I said, well, he's on pretrial. They go, what are the rules? I said, well, uh, you're not going to drug test him. I said, whatever you do, he smokes marijuana. I get it. And you're not going to drug test him because then. Because there's no point. You're going to want me to put him back in jail. And there is no way I'm putting that man in jail if he's taking care of five children so a woman can work and feed the family. It just ain't going to happen. These are victimless crimes. We'll resolve them some other way. So uh, it didn't end there. Then around, I think it was Monday, he brought all five children because they have to show up at the office of the pretrial program. At least they did then. Now, I don't know. But he brought all five children for his first interview with pretrial. And they said the entire office was in shambles when the kids left because they're picking things up, they're opening drawers, they're moving files, they're standing on furniture. And I said, you see why we're not going to violate him? They could judge. You, you, you don't really don't want us to drug test him for marijuana? I said, no. Do you want him back in your office? Do you want five children back in your office? No, you're not going to do that. We're going to get through this and we're going to take care of this gentleman another way. As a county court judge, sometimes you just have to be willing to be creative. Yep, yep. Come up that, with a, an alternative solution. That was one of the funniest things that uh, ever happened in my court. But I got several more. So on another podcast, we'll talk. Oh, boy. We'll, we'll talk about a few more. All right. Cliff, thanks for joining us this afternoon. And thank you out there for joining us for the Kessler Law Firm podcast. You can find us on YouTube and most other social media. And if you're enjoying what you see, please click on the subscribe link. And we'll see you again soon on the Kessler Law Firm podcast.